Hey all and welcome to Sloop. I am Frank. Today we're going to be talking about House of the Dragon Episode 3. But first let's do some housekeeping. We were originally going to fold in the Rings of Power, which by the way guys, those first two episodes are out and I think they're outstanding. But unfortunately here at Geek Freaks, we are very, very busy. We have multiple shows coming back to their seasons. We have a new show launching with, with a whole new group of guys that I got to do some onboarding with them at the end of the month. All kinds of things. And a lot of our shows are just, they're kicking butt and they, they have a lot of content to edit. So we're going to stick to just doing House of the Dragons and due to unforeseen family events, I'm going to be doing them solo just so that some of the guys that have to take care of some family stuff, they could take care of them. And that way we, I could get them out probably Sunday night even, right after you guys watch it. Boom. Check out Geek Freaks. It'll be here. And that'll give you a little bit of time to listen to this. And then uh, the normal Geek Freaks episode will come out on Tuesday. Let's get into House of the Dragons, episode three, second of his name is the name of this episode. And that's kind of really a big theme for this, right? We're setting up the fact that we have these second borns, the lesser in their families, or even the lesser people wanting to find their identity. This episode is also setting up the staging ground. It, it's, it's where we're finding our three main characters and even the side characters up beyond that are really going to be launching into their future endeavors. I personally, this is my favorite episode of the three so far. It's very mixed reviews, though. Some people think it's a perfect episode. Some people think it was too slow. I definitely don't think it was too slow. I think if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you enjoy the dialogue. And then if you're a later season Game of Thrones fan, it's kind of what you want there, too. I really think it had everything. But you all know me. I'm a little bit optimistic. Let's go ahead and get underway with the story. I'm going to quickly wrap up what we had here. Then I'll go over this week's focal points. Episode 3 is really two stories combined together. We start with this hunting story, right? We have a bunch of the uh, Westerosian lords joining together to celebrate Prince Aegon II's second birthday. Now, this is his second birthday, and for a lot of them, this feels like he's becoming a true heir. He survived for two years, which I know that sounds harsh, but it's a big deal. If you, hey, you live two years. That's pretty good in these days, especially for Jaehaerys and kids. But yeah, that is really good. All right, so they're all hunting and they're exciting. We're meeting some familiar faces. We have the Lannisters and we have twin Lannisters, right? We've seen twin Lannisters before. It got crazy, but we have twin Lannisters back. And they have some creepy vibes with going on with them. Uh, one of them is really wanting to hook up with Rhaenyra. That's fitting. She's becoming of age. So now everybody at camp is starting to see her as this new prize. Now, here's the trick. Rhaenyra is the sworn heir to the throne, but... Aegon's now too. He survived that second age. And so now they assume King Viserys is going to just hand the throne over to him and skip Rhaenyra. So they see Rhaenyra as is, hey, you know what? We'll make sure that she feels welcomed and, and that it's not slighted against her. But also, she's going to do good here. She, she'll she'll be a prize for the, the Lannister crown or she'll be really welcomed over, you know, whatever, the Eyrie or something like that. Of course, Rhaenyra is not on board with that. She does not enjoy the hunt very much. She is really wanting to be her own person and not forgotten and she's not into all this baloney and, and she really feels like her dad is pigeonholing her into a certain position in a certain way on Viserys' side he's hearing the rumors he knows he's hearing it from his his counsel and like that that really Aegon is the better heir for his situation to keep the the kingdom united but there's two problems with that first off he promised it to his daughter and he loves his daughter very much his daughter is the you know the daughter of his true wife that made him a man, he even stated in this episode. It's truly something special. 
But secondly, he's having those doubts himself. He has had a dream, a prophetic dream. Remember, the Targaryens have these dreams where they can do this. He has these prophetic dreams showing that, yeah, I will have a son someday. That will, my, that will wear the crown of the Conqueror, Aegon the Conqueror. It's no surprise that Aegon II is named after Aegon the Conqueror. He's being just destroyed on the inside. He's being chewed up. And we see through this entire thing where he's basically being forced by the lords around him to follow a certain path. And Rhaenyra is not giving in. So there's just this constant tension there and it's blowing up left and right. Uh, we even see like there's this hunting thing where they're going to be hunting down this white stag, which is supposed to be a, a sign of royalty. It's a good sign to have this on Aegon's second birthday. But as we go through the events in the story, when it's finally caught, and of course, this is many, many glasses of wine later on, but when they finally catch this uh, this stag, it's brown. King Viserys is almost forced to stab this stag, and you can tell he's not happy about the situation. We'll discuss that later on, but it's important to see that he's not happy with having to kill this stag right here. Now we see Damon. Damon has taken him and the sea snake are working together. They've taken to the Stepstones, and they're fighting the crab feeder and they're losing this war the smart thing to do is request help and this in the sea snake's brother brother here but nephew in the books sent for help out of king's landing and that message is finally getting to them they, they're sitting there and they're debating what they'll do next they're they're losing and here comes this young buck that's a messenger and he delivers a note saying basically don't worry my brother i'm bringing ships this is from king viserys and Damon does not take it well. After beating the shit out of that messenger, he decides it's suicide mission time. Now, this this mission was actually being discussed before even Damon land on the dragon. So I know there's a lot of people who I've, I've heard already people talk discussing like, oh, this is a suicide attempt or, oh, Damon just, you know, he went out on a whim. No, no, no. This is a sea snake plan. But Damon was not going to be on board with it until this happened. Right now, he feels he has to prove himself. So he goes out with a boat no dragon mind you he goes out there and he takes the fire he he is surrounded in far too many arrows and he is surrounded by everybody and then you hear it you hear the the roar of sea snake's army the roar of the dragons and we have a new dragon show up i'm excited for this one to see smoke he's a really cool dragon we'll discuss him also later on but yes damon won he killed the crab feeder, he drags him out and shows the world that I am Damon and this is my future. These are our three stories going on and we really are staging ourselves for the rest of the Dance of the Dragons right here, right now. Let's get into it. So we're going to break down the story by each of the three main characters because I think that's really important. We're going to also discuss some of the side characters quickly but the three big characters that, that really are setting up in this episode now before we get started on that i want to make sure to mention that the costume design in this show is immaculate you guys gotta watch this okay so i will say that the armor might be a little too detailed for what would be there right but this is a time when everybody's just a little bit wealthier and when you look at the sea snake uh corliss valerion that last name's a little <laughs> throws me off every time but when you see his armor, when he's in battle, that thing is so immaculately created by the costume department. It's so impressive. Rhaenyra, her dresses. When she's first seen in this, in this episode, you see she has this dress that has like dragon scales on it with little glints of something like a gem in there. And it's very well done. Every costume in this show is so well done. 
It's above even the first series, which while it might be off-putting, I think there are some people who are like, oh, well, it's too fancy. But you got to remember, this is the high point of Westeros, of the Targaryens. This is them at full strength. And we're seeing it here in the costume design. The next thing I want to make sure to mention is this is a three-year time jump. We've been discussing this, how the pacing seems off. The first episode seems so slow, and now we've getting these time jumps. This one's a three-year time jumps. So the young girl that was Rhaenyra riding her dragon and being late in the first episode is now, you know, up for being married and stuff like that, not by her will, but by her father's. And so we got to keep that in mind that the time's moving quickly. We will have a shift in casting for both Rhaenyra and Alicent. That's coming up pretty soon, and, and you can feel it. it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna actually need that here pretty soon. Well, it's coming up pretty soon. The the actresses that are there now have done a splendid job. I am very happy with the acting in this episode so far. Again, I am Mr. Optimistic, but when you see the sea snake out there, like that, you are awesome. I want him to be in way, way more things. That guy is amazing. And the last thing I want to mention before we get into the character breakdown and kind of the three things I want to talk about is. This excellent battle scene. I think that's one of the big highlights in this episode, why I think it's so important. The first half to me felt very Game of Thrones. I was in on all the dialogue, whether it was Rhaenyra off, you know, gallivanting on her own, King Viserys talking to his cup. I was in it. I wanted every piece of dialogue. And then in the later half, when we had this giant battle and I'm rooting for dragons to come in and save the day and Somehow there wasn't an arrow hitting him. I, I mean, Damon, I just, it was ridiculous, but okay, sure, sure, sure. He's a badass. I get it. It was all amazing. And I think that this structure of a show, the one that balances both sides, is something that everybody can be happy with. And I was really surprised to see that there are some people who say this is the worst of the three episodes. Again, I think it's the best one. Let's get into these characters, okay? First off, let's go with Rhaenyra. She's obviously the star of the show, as she should be. Rhaenyra is leaving childhood behind. And, and with that, you guys have done it. I've done it. It sucks, right? You're becoming an adult and nothing's quite right. And in her case, she's going from basically doing as she, whatever she wanted. She was studying to be you know, the next heir to the throne. And suddenly that's in question. She may not be the heir to the throne. She might be the best candidate. But she's not the, the eldest male son. So right away, it's in contention. And it's contention hard by so many of the powerful houses. Lannister, a very powerful house. But you'll notice there's other houses that are not there. You don't see the Starks there, do you? Okay, keep that in mind. Spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> but we see so many powerful houses there backing up Aegon, her little brother. And her herself, she has no interest in playing these little parlor tricks with her old friend, Alicent, someone who she's lo she lost her friend and in many ways lost her dad. We saw a conversation with them earlier, I believe it was the last episode, where maybe it was this one, where she was angry with him. He was saying, you have to do your duty. And she's like, you didn't do yours or else you wouldn't have married Alicent. She wasn't the best of the best choices. I do not seek to replace you, child. You've been much alone these last few years. Alone and angry. I will not live forever. I wish to see you contented. Happy even. You think a man will do it? A family. I had a family. What would you have me do? If it was for advantage, you would have wed Lena Valarian. That is true enough. 
And he had nothing to say to that. He said, fine, you marry whoever you want. And we see Rhaenyra will do that. She goes and she marries more than once. And some suitors are good moves and some suitors are just lust. And she's living her life as she wants to be. And you know who does that? A Targaryen. Yes, the Targaryens are bound to be, you know, great rulers. But if you've paid attention to their history, there's so many times where what they want won't fall into rules and they'll change the rules to make it fall in. Rhaenyra's doing that. Aegon, or not Aegon, Viserys. King Viserys has forgotten his Targaryen ways. He feels like the way he turns. Remember, he left Valer, uh, Valeron. He, he's leaving his daughter behind. He's turning away from the Valyrian blood towards the Westerosian blood. He wants Lannister approval. You are a Targaryen. And later, you see a moment where he questions the, Lan the Lannister's gift. Oh, I don't have dragons, but I've got gold. Buddy, you're talking to a Targaryen. You have no power compared to him in the Targaryen's eyes. So with Rhaenyra, we see a young girl who's now becoming a woman and trying to figure out where her life will be going and what she'll be doing with it. She doesn't want to be comfortable. She wants to be herself. And she was promised to lead. And she wants that now, damn it. And that's what she's going to be going for. Her stage is set up. We're talking about three stages being set up. Her stage is, I'm Rhaenyra Targaryen, rightful heir to the throne. I deserve it by blood, by sacrifice, and by the gods. And we see the by the gods part here. Let's go over to King Viserys first before I go into that. King Viserys, he knows that Aegon will please the seven kingdoms the most, right? He's the oldest male son. There wouldn't be anybody that would really question it if he switched things up. He's the king. He can say that, hey, guess what? I'm going with Aegon now. And Rhaenyra would have to be okay with being married off to whomever. And really, he could use her to create some very solid relationships. You could tie down the Lannister gold. You could do whatever you wanted, right? It's not a terrible idea, except for the fact that his daughter hates it. And so you have a father and a king constantly competing with themselves within him. The king's side, who had this prophetic dream and knows that he will have a male heir and a conqueror and boom here he is he didn't plan on it but a tear and then he has Rhaenyra his daughter who he loves who he's already entrusted the song of ice and fire she's truly the most prepared person to lead and he knows that he's failing he's losing fingers he's got the I think well it is cancer he's dying of something and he knows his time is running out he feels it his bones hurt. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's towards the end of his days. And so he's in a rush and he has one really good option and he has one other option that he's super loyal to. What does he do? It's eating him aside. The hour is too late, husband. When Rhaenyra was a child, I saw it in a dream. As vivid as these flames, I saw it. The male babe born to me, wearing the conqueror's crown. I so wanted it to be true, to be a dreamer myself. I sought that vision again, night after night, but it never came again. I poured all my thought and will into it. My obsession killed Rhaenyra's mother. Viserys. I thought Rhaenyra was the way out of my abyss of grief and regret. But 
naming her heir would begin to set things right. Oh, it did. I never imagined I would remarry. But I would have a son. There's this elk thing. Oh, this stag. If it's white, it shows that, you know, it's a proper king. This old, old tradition. It almost is a little bit of a relief to him. Yes, he's being constantly hounded by these lords with their ideas. And none of them are great. Well, one of them will be used for sure. Actually, I think all of them are used at one point. Uh, but anyways, this stag is going to be the confirmation he really needs. So when they finally corner, when they finally catch it, and he goes out there to see it, it's a brown stag. And he takes that damn Lannister pike that he doesn't really want, and he walks with the stag to, to stab it. Now, let's think of that scene very carefully, okay? He's taking that Lannister pike he doesn't like. He's walking up and he's got all these lords behind him cheering him on to stab the wrong stag. This stag is brown. The one promised to him was white. The one that showed it's a king. This king is supposed to be meant is meant to be is the white stag. This is the wrong one. And they saw a white stag. They know it's out there. So this is all bastardized. He feels like he's going up to it and he has the guy telling him, oh, you got to stab here. He's being guided. He's not taking charge. He's not being a Targaryen and he stabs it. And it's not enough. You didn't do enough. You got to do it one more time. Stabs it again. Then he falls and everybody cheers and yada, yada. He feels so hollow and empty. This is not his life. It's not what it's supposed to be. Now let's go back to Rhaenyra, who killed a boar on her own, which, by the way, a boar killed Robert Baratheon. Let's not forget that. She killed the boar on her own. She survived the wilds through the night. I mean, with help, with help, <laughs> but she survived the wilds of the night. And then she saw that stag. She saw the white stag that meant you're supposed to be king. And you know what? She let it walk away on her terms. She's the rightful heir. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm rooting for her the entire time. I'm going to tell you that right now. Now, let's head over to Damon Targaryen before we forget about old Damon Targaryen. This is a young man who went to war because he needed to prove himself. He thinks he should be the one on the Iron Throne, and he knows the best way to do that is to lead by example. So he says, look, hey, you got a problem with this shipping lane? I'm going to go take care of it. He's fighting the crab feeder. This war is not going well. The crab feeder is entrenched. It's We've seen this war in our own history in America. The enemy is entrenched. They're deep into caves. They know the land better than you are. And you are invaders in this area, but they're, they're encroaching too. This is, you know, they're not necessarily from this land, but you're attacking into their island and it's not going well for you. The numbers are dwindled and they're on their very last leg. They have a last ditch effort, basically sacrificing Damon temporarily so they could jump in and save him. But then they have the jump on everybody and people will be out of the caves. The caves are the problem. They didn't even tell Damien this plan. He just landed and then the message comes up. And we see, boom, okay, then we're going. Because Damon is not going to allow his brother's ships to land in the Stepstones before he has a sea snake dead. He doesn't care if he has to die in the process. So there is a level of like, hey, if I die doing this, at least I don't have to hear my brother, right? So he goes out there without his dragon, mind you. But by the way, I wanted to mention that too. His dragon felt the pain when he got shot earlier. It, it shows that the, the dragon bonding is pretty strong, right? It's It's... I keep bringing up Avatar, but yeah, the Avatar, the Blue People movie, kind of think of it like that. It feels like that. Anyway, so he goes out there thinking, you know what? If I die, I die. But if I don't die, I come out Damon Targaryen, the biggest badass in Westeros. That's what he's thinking. So he does this, and that's why he goes full charge. This is Damon Targaryen, the rogue prince. 
He doesn't do anything half measured. He's gonna go all the way after after you know this fake out and he's just running and he's got arrows raining on him. Then all of a sudden he's surrounded and here comes the sea snake's army. It was all planned, the false surrender. And the sea snake's army comes in and starts cleaning house. Oh, but these arrows are raining down. No, my friend, here comes Lenor Valerion, the eldest son of the sea snake, and he's riding a dragon. Why? Because he's half Targaryen. Remember, their mother is Targaryen, so both the sea snake's kids can ride dragons. And he rolls in on the sea smoke, which my is one of my favorite dragons. It, to me, it looks like a real medieval dragon, right? It's not like Daemon's Targaryen's malformed. It makes sense, but but I like the ones that look like real freaking dragons, like somebody playing World of Warcraft, somebody be fighting in World of Warcraft. That's what this creature is. And he comes in and, and it's very precise targeting and just cleans house. And Damon's got his eyes set on the one guy that'll give him redemption, killing the sea snake. And we don't see him kill the sea snake. That was a little lackluster. Two things in this battle that were lackluster. The fact that he did not get hit by arrows for a very long time. When he was running, those arrows rained in on him. I mean, come on, buddy. I mean, like, like, let's get serious. It's like when you see those action movies and they don't ever reload the gun. And like, you just went through 40 bullets. <laughs> How did you not need to reload that pistol? He didn't need to. He, he finally got hit by arrows, but it wasn't until the very end. And then when he goes to attack the sea snake, we don't see that. In a, we don't see that actual battle happen. But it's because it is nothing. It's just the first page in the chapter that is Damon. From here on out, he's not going to be the king's little brother who steals an egg and kind of bitches out. No, he's Daemon Targaryen, and he will defend these lands with dragon fire and his sword, Dark Sister. These are our three main characters we have in this episode. A dying man, a future ruler, and a rogue prince on a mission. That's the stage that is set for the Dance of the Dragons. Outside of that, we have Alicent, who's now realizing that she needs to establish herself and her family and make sure that her kids are taken care of. She sees the shifting political alliances. She has loyalty to her old friend, a friend who doesn't have much loyalty in her, it seems like. But she has to keep track of her own kids. We see her father, Odo, who definitely has alternative motives. He wants to make sure high towers are always in charge, and his brother is reminding him of that. We, all, we see all those other houses. They'll be mentioned. We'll brought back. Of course, Jason Lannister's not going away forever. He'll be back. These guys will all be back. Sea Snake himself, that badass. We see him struggle. In the beginning of this episode, we have his own men questioning him. Why are we following Damon into war? Why are we, you know, why are we still out here fighting this? And then his loyalty to Damon, his loyalty to this cause supersedes it and luckily pays off. It's a gamble that he wins, but he sees that charge that Damon does and that opportunity gives us, gives him. And now those two are bonded. He knows. His own brother, again, nephew in the books, but his own brother questioned and left. His brother sent the letter to King's Landing trying to get help, betraying the whole cause. He sees a new brother in Damon Targaryen. Will they always get along? By God, no. But will they go to war together against others? Oh, yes, they will. I'm a big fan of this show, guys, as you could probably tell. I'm sorry I'm kind of whispering a lot. It's 3 o'clock in the morning right now when I'm recording this. It's been a long day. So anyways... But yes, we have such a good show setting up here, guys. And Damon Targaryen is really impressing me. I can't wait to see more of the Sea Snake. I can't wait for him to, his, and his wife and his whole family to start getting involved. We will see much more of his son later on down the road. Uh, I won't say anything about that, but his son's coming up later down the road. And that's going to be an interesting story as well. Rhaenyra, 
killing it. Rhaenyra is an outstanding character. A true successor to Daenerys Targaryen, which was somebody that I just loved rooting for. And now I love rooting for Rhaenyra and we'll see how things go with the casting switch up. I, that's going to feel weird, I think, but it's, it's right around the corner. I think we got like one more episode of this actor and then we're going to be moving on. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Sorry it's a little long in the tooth. I got a little too excited. I purposely played with notes small so this wouldn't happen, but I got a little too excited about this episode. I truly enjoyed it. I will see you guys next week for another episode where we talk about House of the Dragon. We have a new interview coming up. Actually, I think we have two interviews coming out this week. And then we have a Geek Freaks coming out this morning. And then the next Geek Freaks is going to be live from Capital Creative Showcase in Sacramento. Where we're going to be talking to a lot of local devs working hard to share their stories. So please come and join us for that as well. Thank you guys very much. You guys have a wonderful week.